0: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Old Testament book of Numbers, and Clayton is walking us through the common method today. But before we get started, Eric, I wanted to ask, were there any words that you discovered that you'd been misusing this week?
1: No, we're going to go back to that. (laughs) That's what we're going to do.
0: Yeah. You failed, you big dummy. (sighs) I just figured it was worth asking. No, no,
1: no. I have not been misusing any words this week. So if you're confused right now, for those of you listening. You should
0: go listen to the.
1: Listen to the podcast episode prior to this one. And you will understand why Nikki has started this podcast. By making fun of me,
0: yeah. So I'll we'll let you go back and listen to that one. So Clayton, for this podcast episode, let us know what we're talking about today.
2: All right, we're going to be in Numbers chapter thirty-two. We're going to do you kind know, of the first half of it here, and let me give you some context. So context is the C in comma, and it it you you really got to get uh, a big context and a closer context. So the big context is from the very beginning of the Bible. So once things went wrong, one of the big things that God promised to His people. Was that he was going to give them land. So that God was going to bring them into a place where they were going to live with him. Um, and God made this promise to Abraham one day I'm going to just give your descendants this promised land that uh, you're going to be safe and secure and provided for. And this is going to be the place that's kind of the the central headquarters for where you're going to be a blessing to all the nations. So I'm going to get you to this land. So for centuries, the people of Israel have been holding on to this promise, saying, one day God's going to give us the promised land. And so, um, all of the Pentateuch that we've been reading this year has been leading from really early on this promise to when are they going to get the land? And when we come to this point in the book of Numbers, they are literally standing on the border of that land, and so they're about to get it. So that's, that's where we are. But before they got to the border of that land, a couple of things happened, and it kind of sets up the, the story here. They were traveling through the territory of other nations. So Israel got released from slavery in Egypt. They don't have land. So they're this big nomadic group. And they pass through different places. And they, each time they come to a place, they say, we just want to pass through. We'll pay for whatever you know supplies we need to get, but we're going someplace else. But several nations say, uh-uh, we don't trust you. We're not going to let you pass through. Stop. You can't come. And so uh, they they— you know, send out an army to attack Israel, and God defends Israel so that they can go through. And over the course of things, Israel actually ends up conquering a few of these kingdoms, little, not major, massive empires or anything, but they kind of take over some of this land. They get some territory. And so they've got some territory that now is under their control that is outside of the promised land, just on the other side of the Jordan River. And it's pretty good land, and they're looking at it saying, what do we do with this? And so where we pick this up in Numbers 32, a couple of the tribes have an idea of what they should do with this land.
1: So chapter 32, verse 1, the Reubenites and the Gadites, referred to by Nikki as the Rubes and Gads, (laughs) who had very large herds and flocks, saw that the lands of Jazir, I don't know how to pronounce that, and Gilead were suitable for livestock. So they came to Moses and Eleazar the priest, and to the leaders of the community, and said, Adaroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elielah, Sabam, Nabo, and Beon. I don't. I'm sure I have butchered the pronunciation of those words. The land the Lord subdued before the people of Israel are suitable for livestock, and your servants have livestock. If we have found favor in your eyes, they said, let this land be given to your servants as our possession. Do not make us cross the Jordan. Moses said to the Gads and the Reubs, Should your fellow Israelites go to war while you sit here? Why do you discourage the Israelites from crossing over into the land the Lord has given them? This is what your fathers did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to look over the land. After they went up to the valley of Eshkal and viewed the land, they discouraged the Israelites from entering the land the Lord had given them. The Lord's anger was aroused that day, and he swore this oath. Because they have not followed me wholeheartedly, not one of those who were 20 years old or more, when they came up out of Egypt, will see the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not one except Caleb and Joshua, for they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. The Lord's anger burned against Israel. And he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years, until the whole generation of those who had done evil in his sight was gone. And here you are, a brood of sinners, standing in the place of your fathers and making the Lord even more angry with Israel. If you turn away from following him, he will again leave all this people in the wilderness, and you will be the cause of their destruction. Then they came up to him and said, we would like to build pens here for our livestock and cities for our women and children. But we will arm ourselves for battle and go ahead of the Israelites until we have brought them to their place. Meanwhile, our women and children will live in fortified cities for protection from the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until each of the Israelites has received their inheritance. We will not receive any inheritance with them on the other side of the Jordan because our inheritance has come to us on the east side of the Jordan. Then Moses said to them, If you will do this, if you will arm yourselves before the Lord for battle, and if all of you who are armed cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven his enemies out before him, then when the land is subdued before the Lord, you may return and be free from your obligation to the Lord and to Israel, and this land will be your possession before the Lord. But if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Build cities for your women and children and pens for your flocks, but do what you have promised. The Gads and the Rubes said to Moses, We, your servants, will do as our Lord commands. Our children and wives, our flocks and herds will remain here in the cities of Gilead, but your servants, every man who is armed for battle, will cross over to fight before the Lord, just as our Lord says.
2: All right. Well, the next letter in comma is O, and that is observation. So let's hear what you guys see in this passage.
1: Uh, my first observation is they're almost there. We've been reading the entire <laughs> book of Numbers, and the whole thing has been moving from Mount Sinai towards the Promised Land. And my goodness, its uh, they're finally getting ready to go in.
0: Yeah, I noticed that um, we see some harshness from Moses again, right? Like. <laughs> been a long journey the brother Uh, is mad yeah uh these two tribes the rubes and the gads thank you for taking that up um he calls them a a brood of sinners like think back to jesus when he calls the pharisees a brood of vipers right um and some of us i think like when i first read this i was like okay so what's the big deal with with these two tribes staying on one side of the river while the others go on the other side of the river like okay what's the big deal and uh, just thinking back, it's this, this fact that Israel was just like this community. They did everything collectively, you know. And and so, I think Moses is mad here because this is a very selfish request uh, on behalf of the Rubes and the Gads because they they want to they want their inheritance now. You know, they they see it. Oh, this looks good. I'm going to take it now. Um, while you know they're going to stay back comfy while their brothers go fight. And I don't think Moses is not good. He's not good with that.
2: Yeah, I, I I observe how Moses points out the ripple effect that it has on other people. You know, in, in some ways, you you look at the Rubs and the Gads, and they they're saying, "Hey, we we got some good stuff here," and you know, in some ways, it's kind of a rational choice of like this this is going to work for us, and we're we're going to be good with that. And but to, Moses is saying, "Well, one, this is like what we've been waiting for. You know, you've been called to this, but but two, you." When you do this, it's it's going to have the same effect that when those spies came back forty years ago and said it's going to be scary, we're afraid to fight. You're going to make it so that again, the people aren't going to aren't going to trust God and go in. And your actions don't just affect you and your families; they they affect all the people around you.
1: Yeah, this is one of those. Here we go again. Like he, Moses is mad. Like when you when you read this chapter, he's mad. I think he's worn down as a leader, (laughs) and honestly, after forty years, when when imagine you're thinking we could have been in forty years ago, and I and I have been leading this this group of people now for an extra forty years. Now we're getting ready to go in again, and really, here we go again. I'm going to have a group of people saying I don't want to go in, and it's going to affect everybody else. I, I, I can totally understand why Moses is. Is is mad about this? And if and if you remember the the first go around with this, it's about trust, right? We're not going to win. We're going to get we're going to get slaughtered. Um, and it is curious to me that you would make this journey for all of these years and know that the Lord has promised you this land, and you get that close, but then you kind of look off to the right and you go, mm, "I can see that right there." I want that. Like, it's just a curious choice to me, and and maybe it maybe there's more trust again in play. I don't know. The text doesn't tell us, but it could be more trust in play. Like, yeah, God has said that this land is going to be good, but
2: I can see that. Yeah. Well, it's almost like in the first instance, I'm just thinking of this. So let's see if this works. In the first instance, they're looking in at what it's going to take to get the blessing, and they're saying, "I'm afraid of what that's going to cost us." It's it looks scary. In this case. They're they're looking at something they already have, and they're saying, oh, I'm pretty satisfied." Like the previous generation, they hated being in the wilderness. They didn't want to stay outside the land, but they were scared of going in. But th- this one, they're like, yeah, "This is uh, this is looking good." Like the the uh, you know this kind of moving towards you know message and application. But sometimes you you get that that thing of like, "I won't do what God wants because I'm scared," and sometimes you do it because I'm I'm content with just what I have right now.
0: Yeah. I think the trust thing is a, is a, is a big thing. Like in verse 11, it says one of the things that, that the Lord swore on oath was, it says, because they have not followed me wholeheartedly. Um, I think it's that idea of like, they saw it and they're like, yeah, this is good for me. I'm going to stay right here. I'm not, I'm not willing to trust enough to keep going to see what else God has in store for me. And, um, it's kind of it's kind of like settling, yeah, I, yeah.
2: Yeah, there there are times when you you experience a good gift from God. Like, have you ever noticed this? Where there there's something that good comes into your life, and it's really like it. Like God gave them this land, right? It wasn't like it mm-hmm. wasn't like they were going after something that God hadn't provided for them, but it was like provided on the way. And I th- I think C.S. Lewis talks about how like along the along the journey to heaven. There's all these like inns and hotels and, you know, places that we stay, but they're never meant to be a real home. And there there are times when we get distracted by those things and say, Well, I'm gonna settle down and and just stay here on the journey, because this 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 hotel is cozy enough that I'm not really gonna worry about getting to my house, you know? It's like
1: let's make a deal. Is that the name of the show where they pick doors? Do I have that right? Yes. Yeah, that's the one where they all dress up in costumes. And, I don't know. Okay. Sorry. Ni- Nikki's going to be totally unhelpful with this. this. So this is what I'm about to say for the next minute. Nikki will make zero sense. Okay. Uh, so you pick door number one and you know what your prize is. And then the host says you can either keep that or you can pick what's behind door number two or door number three. And you don't really know what's behind door number two or door number three. Uh, it seems like the rubes and the Gads have done that. Right. They've seen what's behind door number one and they're saying, all right. I'm I'm good with this. We'll we'll help you guys walk through that door, but we're gonna we're gonna keep what's behind door number one. It just seems so curious to me. Yeah, it that's is. a
0: good that's a good uh, way to put it. It's
1: it's it's so the whole story as you read numbers is moving towards the promised land, and it just seems so curious that you get towards the end and just say, ah, "I'll take that."
2: Yeah. Uh, to to come to the rubes and gads defense here, they do they do hear Moses out. They do. Like there is there is something to be said for the fact that they come back mm-hmm. and say, all right, new plan. We understand that this affects other people. And so we're going we're gonna to put skin in the game and we're going to be there for them. And we're actually going to fight. And, and so in some ways, it, I don't know if it, it does this. Maybe, maybe this is not true. But like it almost transforms it from something that was sort of like chickening out to something where actually we're not going to get anything more than what we already have out of this, but we're still going to take the risk. Like now, their fighting is only for the sake of other people, because they already have what they they need. Like their family has a home, and now they're they're just fighting to secure someone else's home. Where all the other you know ten t- tribes or however many are fighting so that they get something they they don't have it yet. And so, in some ways, I feel like the where they end up from a place that could have been really selfish ends up in a place that is actually fairly sacrificial. You know?
0: Yeah. One of the things I I, I saw with that too is. um you know, they promise to suit up and fight. And Moses is sure to keep repeating to them a couple of times, like, if you don't do this, you are, you are going to be sinning against God. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to go really bad for you. And in verse 23, he tells them, you know, build cities for your women and children and pens for your flocks, but do what you have promised. And I think it's just so, it's just, amazing picture of like, God is a God who keeps his promises and he expects us to do the same thing. And that stood out to me as being important. Like, yeah, you said you were going to do it. Now go ahead and follow through and do it.
2: Yeah. And in the fact that to not be there for their brothers and sisters, he says, you'll be sinning against the Lord. Yeah. Like this isn't just, it is not just hey, this is a decent thing to do. It's like, if you fail to do it, it's a sin. That's, that's a weighty.
1: It's a bit, it's a bit cryptic, not uh, super obvious at first. So if, if I don't hold up my end of my obligation towards other people, Moses said that sin is against the Lord. Hmm. Right. So you're a part of this community, and you have an obligation to this community. And if you don't fulfill your responsibility to this community, your sin is against God. Yes, you're letting down those people, but your sin is against God. That is, that is an interesting uh, an interesting comment, because I think we probably do that a lot, especially as Americans, because we're so individualistic, and we fail to remember that we we live in communities, uh, we have church families, and there are an awful lot of instructions that we have in the New Testament about how to live in community, often referred to as the one-anothers, right? Yeah. Um, and, I'm not sure we're really good as Americans at taking those seriously, especially the one that says bear with each other's burdens. Yeah. Yeah, I got enough burdens of my own. Now you're going to tell me that if I don't step in and help you bear your burden, that I'm sinning against the Lord. Like that takes the game to a whole different level and just reminds me about the whole community aspect of being a part of the people of God.
2: Yeah, sometimes it's, it's so common, just kind of, you know, American like morality, not, not even Christian, where it's just like, as long as I'm not hurting somebody else, like we feel like that's, you're a good person, as long as what you're doing isn't harming somebody else. But for the Bible to say, no, actually, if, if what you're doing is, is just not, is not helping someone else who's, who's in need, like that's the problem. It's not just failing to hurt them more, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: So one of the things that I, question I had about that was verse 22 seemed a little interesting to me. Because it Moses goes on to, to to say to the Reubens and the Gads, like when when you go into the land, you help Israel subdue it, you may return and be free from your obligation to the Lord and to Israel. What does that mean?
1: Uh, that they have they were they were saying we're we are going to go in and fight, yeah, with them, and once we've gone in and fight and they are inhabiting the land, we can return and our obligation then is done. Like so, essentially, what you are saying is, you're promising to do this thing, mm-hmm. and once you do it, then your obligation is over. Then right. to you, don't have to, you don't have to stay in to the God. land
2: anymore. You can you can go back to what, where you yeah, were. Right. Yeah, you're, you're free. So you're you're done.
0: That was my understanding of it, but I just wanted to make sure, like, because I feel like reading that, you might go, "Well, wait a second. Like, does that mean that they weren't a part of God's people anymore? Or oh, you're yeah, like,
1: yeah, okay. you're, Like your you, obligation to be a
2: part of this community, community of, like, like the people of God. Once it's you do, done. once yeah.
0: you do what you do, and you cross back over to the river, you're done.
2: Well, I, we know we know from future stories that that certainly isn't the case. I mean, they're still the tribes of Israel. Uh, I could see how that, that phrase would come across that way. There's actually a really interesting story later where the the tribes are on the other side and they've they've got a um the the people in the land have kind of parked the tabernacle someplace and they've got an altar where everybody's supposed to come and offer their sacrifices. And the the, the gads and the rubs, they actually build an altar on their side, and everybody on the on the the the, you know, in the promised land is looking at them saying, have you abandoned worshiping with the rest of us? And are you going after some other God? What are you doing? And they actually go and confront them and they do it to say, no, 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 no. We're doing this to remind all of the generations to come that we actually are still with you. We worship the same God as you. So we built kind of a a replica to point them to say, we're still part of your people. So it actually comes up later in history because that that geographical separation Makes it so that there, there's that temptation to be sort of spiritually and, and culturally separate. Let's let's talk about the M and comma. Let's talk about a message. What message do you guys get from this passage?
0: Well, my uh, my message goes along the lines of what I was talking about earlier, and this this idea that the rubes and the gad saw what they saw, and uh, they wanted what they saw now, and and they were willing to just take what they saw, kind of like that door number one. Um, and so my message was. Don't settle for less than God's best plan for your life.
1: I am thinking more along the lines of the promised land. And you have a place in God's people, in God's presence, and this was the plan, and the plan is unfolding. And I'm I'm thinking now about Moses' reaction and his 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 anger of oh, here we go again like and it it's just the whole book of Numbers is moving forward right like the whole story is is moving and I, I I think the message that I would I would draw out of this text is that God's purposes are still moving forward but there's all of these like little unexpected variations because there's human involvement in it that God's purposes are happening throughout human history and so. Things can happen that might be unexpected, might be curious, but it doesn't mean that God's purposes aren't going forward, right? So the rubes and the gads can say, ah, we want to stay on this side of the river, but that doesn't negate God's purposes for moving forward, and and God, in fact, allows it. And so so, somewhere somewhere in there is the message of God's purposes are moving forward always. There's always these,
2: these weird, unexpected variations because there's people involved. Yeah. Yeah. All right, for for my message, I, I think I want to want to try to build the bridge so that we're not Israelites who are headed to the Promised Land. We're, you know, this is this is a unique situation. We're not going to kind of a physical geography that God has promised to us anymore, but as God's people, God has promised us a homeland. You know, He's promised us the new heavens and the new earth. God's one day going to remake the world, and it's going to be the way things are meant to be. And so we're we're still on our way there, and God's prepared that for us, but. There are moments where we get kind of little glimpses ahead of time of kind of like little foreshadowing of tastes of the way the world's supposed to be. And sometimes those are good gifts of relationships that we have or uh, you know, provision that God's given us or healing or all sorts of things that we say, man, this was, thank you, God. I got a little, little taste of your, your kindness, and I'm going to get more of that in, in, in the new world. But it can be easy for us to kind of grab onto the you know, current benefits that I'm getting and miss the fact that we haven't all arrived. You know, we're not, we're not there yet. And in some ways to miss our uh, brothers and sisters and the times when they have not received the blessing yet. And so my message would be this, uh, to bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters until we all arrive in the promised land.
1: Thank Dude, you, Eric. Yes, yes, yes,
2: that is, that is good. This world is not our home. So um here here's what I want to do for uh, a meditation. I'm gonna uh, do something something that we often do. You may maybe have noticed this pattern. When we are reading an Old Testament story, sometimes there isn't like a line in the story where we are like, man, I just want to mull over that. But it does point us to verses in the New Testament that sum up the principle behind the story. So uh, oftentimes we meditate on that and I'm gonna I'm gonna grab one from Galatians chapter six uh, and it's uh, verse two, it says this, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So, for our meditation, take 45 seconds and think about that. Application. Let's uh, go around the table. How are you going to apply this today?
0: Uh, well, if I'm if I'm thinking about my message, and my application that I I arrived at earlier with the don't settle for less than God's best plan for your life. Um, just again, just reflecting back on uh, the rubes and the glad, the Gad saying, you know, this is enough for us. We're good here. Um, I think we could call that contentment, and in a lot of cases, it it, it could be, you know. But I think if we aren't careful, um, we can sometimes, uh, settle for what we see in our lives or what we have in our lives is good enough. And I think especially when it comes to our relationship with God, we have to be careful with that. You know, we, we need to be asking those questions like, okay, so is this what God really has for me right now? Is this where he wants me? Is, is my faith in him and my relationship with him just good enough or can I strengthen it more, um, you know, is, is my life a good reflection of Christ's characteristics right now? And uh, am I okay with settling with where I am now or can I grow in them more? And I think when we're talking about the, the can I or should I grow in my relationship with more with God, um, the answer is always yes. That's his plan for our lives is to come to know him more and more. And uh, I, I think it's, you know, we can't settle when it comes up to our relationship with God. We always have to be seeking after him more and more
1: the rubes and gads may not have necessarily been bad but they might have forfeited what they could have had oh, oh he just susified <laughs> the numbers text uh this world is not our home there is a promised land uh my my application is think uh, i'm i'm after mulling over that that Galatians text during the, the medi- meditation time about carrying one another's burdens, I think one of the reasons that we often don't do that is because we're so busy looking for our reward in the here and now, and all of our reward is not in the here and now. And if I can just remember that, that this world is not my home, that there is a promised land, there is the new heavens and new earth, that frees me up. To not want everything now i don't need all my reward now I can wait I can wait for it, which then enables me and frees me up to to help other people to carry one another's burdens so it is uh my application is don't always be looking for your reward right now yeah,
0: that's
2: good. Yeah, for application i'm I'm thinking about situations that have been in in the past and a few few in the present where I've known someone who's going through something really messy like in some way you'd say uh God's given them a hard assignment in their life. Circumstances are really difficult, and there is um, there's something that that I've, I've noticed I'm tempted to do and to have done, where you support people for a little while, but then when their burden doesn't resolve itself, like it feels good to help, you know, oh, there was a crisis and I brought a meal or I was there to pray for them or whatever, but when it's a long term thing, when it's something where you say, look, you 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 went through a divorce, you weren't. Expecting or wanting, and now you're a single parent, and your life is is not going to you know get fixed in the next month, you know, um, or you are, are someone who experiences same sex attraction, and you've decided you're going to be faithful to what God commands, but your, your desires are going to be, be something you deal with for a long time, and it's going to be hard to have community in a in a conflicted world like this, or uh, someone who uh, they, they lost a parent, or they're going through a mental health struggle, or whatever, and those things don't just You know, it's not a season. It's not like you were sick for a few weeks and we took care of you. It's a long haul kind of thing, and it's so easy for me to help out for a little bit and feel really good about that, and then not actually say I'm going to stick with you during while you're carrying this burden. I'm still going to be there to help carry that burden, and when the until the battle's done, um, I don't just get to abandon you. Um, you, you, We're going to fight until we're all in the promised land. So I think there's a couple of situations uh, like that where I'm thinking about people where I'm like. I I patted myself on the back for kind of being there for them, but I know there's more I can do. And it's, you know, they're they're people God's put in my life, and I know that's that's why they're there. Um, And I need to be there for them.
0: That's a really good application. Well, friends, there you have it. That's all that we have for you this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, We hope that you join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. And in the meantime, if you are not following along, please head to biblesavvy.com to download the reading plan and to start reading. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. You can email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. And if you're on Twitter, check us out there for additional Bible Savvy insights. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.